Kramer started serving volley. But, uh, you know, they stayed back and, and played aggressive ground stroke tennis. Well, would you say that Connors may have been the best on all surfaces? I think he was one of the best. If he had a bigger serve, he would have been considered one of the best. I mean, he's, in my opinion, he's one of the, you know, one of the best. You mean you look at Borg and he never won a Wimbledon? I mean, Borg had, I looked, for some reason I was looking something up while well, I was looking up who's the greatest well, player Borg of all never time. Won the, Borg never won the Open. But he had so the highest winning percentage of anybody on the tour in terms of winning matches. But um, I, I would say Connors would have been really close. Yeah, well. But he never uh, won the Open. Have, You're right. Yeah, but. There were there were two years, actually three years, where he would have won the Open, but he was very very unlucky. One time I remember he had blisters all over his hand, could hardly right. hold the racket. Well, in 70, 77, uh, 78, and seventy nine, he would have won the Open. Seventy seven, he defaulted in the middle of a match to Stockton, and Vilas won it on clay. He would have won it easily. Vilas couldn't stay with him. So that was a very unlucky year for him. He would have won the Open that year. Yeah, because it was and a seven, 78, 78 was the first year at Flushing Meadow, and he played Connors in the final. He couldn't hold the racket because he had blisters on his hand. So he would have won. He would have won. Connors couldn't beat him then. He would have won that one as well that year. And then in 79 was the year he didn't want to play under the lights, and he played Tanner, and he was, you know, he would have won at least two out of three of those at the Open. But he just had bad luck. And then McEnroe started to get him on faster courts, and, you know. So, I, you know, he, he would have won the Open. He had, a, he had a bit of bad luck in his best couple of years. Well, that and that goes for Connors. That goes for Connors, too. At the not French. That he would have beat Bo- yeah, not that he would have beat Borg at the French, but in 74 or 5, he probably would have if he played it. He didn't play it. And then one year he got... <laughs> One year he got uh, banned or something from the French, right? Well, that was 74. He would have won the Grand Slam. Yeah, he had all the other three, didn't he? He, he won the other three, didn't play. They banned him from the French for playing world team tennis. That's why they banned him? Yeah. Do you, uh, let's see, do you think, Con- so Connors, he, he may have won the Grand Slam. Uh, he would have won it that year. No one could beat him in 74. Even on, just, even on the red well, clay. He was he, tough on clay. Yeah. He was tough on yeah, clay. Yeah, well, that match, the 76 final at the Open on Archer, he beat Borg in four. It was a great match. Who did he the beat? Next year, the next year, he couldn't beat Borg anymore. Borg got too good. Who did he beat in the finals of those other Grand Slams? Do you, what, was it Rosewall that time he drilled him like 2-0-0 or something? <laughs> he beat Newcomb in... Uh, he beat Newcomb in Australia, and he beat Rosewall and Wimbledon in the U.S. I think one of those was like 0-0-2 or something, or 2-0-0. Uh, they, they were both kills. Really? Hmm. At Wimbledon in the U.S., he, you know, Rosewall won like three, four games each match. Not, not many games. Rosewall could yeah, his, serve, his serve was His serve on those uh, grass courts, in those days the grass courts weren't that, you know, uh, like a like a clay court with with grass on it, like a Wimbledon. So you know, Rosewall serve was uh, uh, you know Not was target great. practice for Connors. Well, yeah. you have to remember when when Rosewall uh, Rosewall was great. He was like 36, 37 years old at the time. Yeah, he was older. He wasn't in his prime. 
But, but you have to remember that Rosewall, other than playing labor, when he played guys, he could serve to Newcomb's backhand, which wasn't that strong. He could serve to Stolly's forehand. He could serve to somebody's side, and the ball would be in play. You know, but he but against Connors on the return, Connors would just pound both sides at you. Yeah, and it you wasn't know? that big and of a serve. It was yeah. So he he had to serve against somebody who could play the ball back off one side and not just pound him. And Connors would pound you off both sides if you served like that. Yeah. So on a, on a grass court. And interestingly enough, I remember a match at the Open that Connors. It, when Edberg was like top three in the world, and Edberg had the perfect game for Connors to beat, because he served and volleyed on every ball, and he kicked it in. So you had a swing at it, and the ball was up high. And Edberg's advantage was when he played a one-hander, he would kick the ball up to you know uh, uh, high on Lendl or, uh-huh. or high on anybody, and then you know he, he'd be on top of the net. He was a great volleyer. Yeah. But I, I said, you know, if he plays Connors, Connors going to kill him. <laughs> and he did. He, uh, Connors always beat Edward. Connors could hit the high. He could hit the high shot. Yeah, because he was returning a, a, a three-quarter kick serve high on both sides. He loved it. Well, that's why Arthur was so smart at Wimbledon. Because even you know, with all those dinks and chops and changing it up. Yeah, on but it. if 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 you know, if Wimbledon was on the kind of court it, they they play it on today, Connors would have been even better. Oh, yeah, yeah, because it's a Cause slower it grass. But, but, you know, if you watch that match, uh, Connor, Connors played terribly in the first two sets and won the third and was very close to breaking and getting into a fifth. And if he would have got into a fifth, I think he would have won. It's the only time out of 15 or so times they played that Ash beat Connors. Is that Connors right? beat him every time they played. Yeah. He beat him. Ash beat him only once in his whole career, and that was it. And he lost to him about 15 times. But that's the one that people are going to remember. What was that? Well, well sure. That's the one that yeah. everyone remembers. 74, I guess. Yeah. Was it 74? Or was it 76? 75. 75? 75. Yeah. Well, that's amazing, though, that... Uh, the U.S. Open even had clay. What was their thinking? Why did they go to clay? What did the USDA? Is it because uh, Solomon? And- I, I don't. I don't know. But you know, they had a they had a huge backlash. You know, they went from the grass at, at West Side in '74 to hard true at West Side for those three years before they built Flushing Meadow, and there was a huge backlash by. You know, the, the generation of American players that, you know, Smith and Lutz and Reeson and Ash and, you know, all of them were better hardcore, fastcore players. Sure. And they flipped, they yes. all flipped out on the U.S. Uh, you know, I remember. They Passerelle. all flipped out on the USDA. Yeah, Passerelle and, and Gravener and all those guys. They were they were all better hardcore, grasscore players. Yeah. And they flipped out on the USDA for for you know, giving the advantage to Europeans and South Americans at the U.S. Open. Let's now, see, who won crazy. those? Uh, the Connors won one of the Clays. Connors won Arantes. Well, the first year. Arantes beat Connors the first year. Connors beat Borg the second year. And Vilas uh, beat Connors the third year. And then it went to Flushing Meadow. I see. And then, and then the next year, Connor, uh, Connors... Connors... Beat Borg. Connors, uh, he won it in 78, but in the semis, he uh, 
the year that in 78 when Borg couldn't hold the racket in the finals, Connors played Vilas on the hard courts and just tore him apart. Yeah, it just shows you the difference. I mean, Arantes never would have gotten more than a couple of games on hard courts against Connors, probably. No, but uh, Arantes, the first year when Borg was, uh, you know, like 17 in in uh, 74, you know, Arantes played Borg in the finals of the French. And Arantes won the first two sets, and then Borg beat him 1-1 in love. Really? Yeah. That reminds me of Billy Martin winning NCAAs our freshman year against George Hardy. I forget what the score was, but... Yeah, it was something like that. It was something like that, wasn't it, where he lost the first two sets and then... Yeah, I played, you know, I played George Hardy on the hard in, uh, in up at the Concord when they had those, uh, I don't know, 50000 or $25,000 challenger tournaments. Uh-huh. He, I beat him on the hard court pretty easily. I didn't think he was that good. Maybe he just had a bad day. No, I could see how you would take him out on on a if you know because Hardy. It wasn't like he had a huge serve like a lot of those Californians. You know, he was. Uh, yeah, he, I, I, I I didn't mind playing lefties really, but he he didn't. He didn't play he as smart. much like a lefty though. It didn't seem like it didn't seem like he had uh, quite as much spin and things. As yeah, he over. didn't spin the ball. He hit the ball kind of flat and clean. Right. And didn't over. I didn't overpower you. Oh, that's really tailor made for you. Yeah. yeah, I remember I beat I beat him pretty easily on hard, and I was like, everybody was surprised, including me. Yeah, how'd you do that tournament after that? Uh, well, actually, I beat a good player after that. I beat uh, Byron Bertram. Oh South yeah, African South guy. African. Yeah, he was yeah. Good. I lost. I lost in the semis to I forget. Uh, oh, Chris Lewis, the uh, New Zealand guy. I lost to him in the semis. Uh, it was like a tie. It was like six and four or five. It was a close match. Bertram had two-handed backhand, didn't he? No, no. no. Oh, he did. Was no. he a classic South African type? Yeah, very. You know, nice strokes, good strokes. Uh huh. Not, 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 not the uh, most fit guy, though. Really? Talk about another South African that passed away that I saw was uh, Willem Prinsloo. Did you ever play him? Oh yeah, I beat him three times. Really? <laughs> yeah. He, was a... he died. Yeah, he passed away uh, sometime in the last year here, the last six months, I think. And uh, he was living in Germany though, and he wasn't in the states. Is that right? Yeah. He was a funny guy. Yeah, he stayed at, he stayed at my house. Did he, he? He, he? Yeah, he stayed at our house one week, practiced with me while we were in between tournaments. I played him three times one year. Hmm. Never lost to the guy. I want to say some other tennis player just passed away here recently. I can't remember. Oh, well, what's his name? Uh, Bernie Mitten passed away. Bernie Mitten, that's who it was. Boy, he was a good player. Did you ever play Bernie? Yeah, it wasn't. I, no, I never played him. He was very good. You sure Prinsloo passed away? Yes. Yes. Uh, wow. I think John Eagleton told me that. Really? Yeah. Well, Eagleton would know. He, you know yeah. Prinsloo was very... Uh, was very friendly with uh, Dion Joubert. So yeah, they well, they were doubles partners for a while on some of those yeah, yeah, circuits. Yeah. I remember. Right, right. Well, what yeah. were you saying about what were you saying? Getting back to Fred Perry, what were you saying about Fred Perry, about him being well, killing English tennis? That that was interesting to me. Well, you know, when he after he dominated the game in the thirties and 
you know, played, I guess, some of the pro tennis in the early 40s till the war. He, he was, you know, like, like you know, they're a guru. And, well, he's and number they, one in the world, at one, you know, for a few years. Right. Well, you know, so he, he was kind of in charge of the British Lawn Tennis Association and the training and the, and, and the coaching and the whole thing for British tennis. And he had everybody trying to play like him. You know, with continental grips, and you know that—that's—that's that's how he taught and how they trained players. They never—they never made a player. Even the only guy that was any good, and he was a very uh, continental style player, but he was very good. Was uh, Roger Taylor? Roger Taylor, yeah, yeah. But you're yeah, right, they, Mark they, Cox. They, they really didn't. They didn't really. Yeah, Cox. They were all very continental. They were players. all still well. That's right. They were all continental. But but Perry did all right with continental. I mean, he's number one in the world. Yeah. What was yeah. Well, you know, listen. It, you can you can play. However, you know, there's always you know there's there's always if you're strong enough or you know. He was just a great player. They weren't. Yeah, he was just a great player, and you know he was able to do it. But you know, if you take ten, uh, my theory is, if you take ten great athletes and you teach them to play more conventionally, you'll get eight really good players. If you take them, if you take ten great athletes and you teach them to play, let's say like Fred Perry, you might get one or none. Huh. That's interesting. You know, if you if you taught everybody to hit a forehand like Fred Perry, ten guys. And you taught ten guys to hit a forehand like Stan Smith. I guarantee you, you'll have ten good forehands like Stan Smith, and you'd be lucky if you get one like Fred Perry. You think that was Stan's best shot or his serve? Um, both, both. He was. Both. He, was he had a great. He had. He had a beautiful forehand, a solid, classic Eastern forehand. It was classic, you know, kind of like Dick Stockton's. Um. Uh, Dickey actually, his backhand was better than his forehand. Dickey's grips were were not quite full Eastern, but but Dickey, Dickey was he didn't hit a big ball from the backcourt. He was steady, he had beautiful strokes, more like a steady player. But he was a fabulous. Well, you know from playing on court with him, the guy had he, he never missed a volley. He didn't miss a ball. Yeah. Everything was in yeah. play. Yeah. His half volleys were great. You know he was solid everywhere. His volleys, half volleys, were amazing. He had great hands, you know. Dickie Dickie was very talented. So, would you compare him to Brian Godfrey, kind of a similar type of game, or not? Yeah, um, Godfrey was more mechanical to me, you know. He was, Uh, but I mean, he was... Dickie was more natural natural talent, Uh in my opinion. Brian, Brian, kind of Larry didn't Apple didn't fall too far from the tree with Larry, you know. I mean, Larry was <laughs> yeah, just I mean, like they, Brian. You know, they, they, were, they didn't they, miss. Brian, yeah, but they were hard workers, and they, they their games were kind of mechanical, and you know, and they played sixty hours a, a week, you know. <laughs> I'll tell you somebody that was even more mechanical than those guys, Danny Birchmore. Did you ever see him play? Yep, saw him play in the semis. Of at Flamingo Park in the Orange Bowl in the 18s, I forgot who he lost to. It might have even been Byron Bertram, but I, really? I did see him. He played for Georgia. He was very steady, and he, he was very mechanical, and he just hit the ball back all day. He was really mechanical, and I remember watching the finals of the 18s in Louisville, 
And Danny Birchmore has match point on Harold Solomon. He underhand serves him, and Solomon hits it in the net with the top spin. That was the match. But, you know, that that's pretty incredible that he even won the clays. But he was like a robot, it seemed like. The well, way, I, saw, way he I, saw the the, I, I saw him get to the semis at the Orange Bowl. He was a good player. Uh, that's play. not a bad result. Top four junior in the world. He became a yeah. doctor down there in Georgia. Yeah. Well, he was he was from Athens or around there or something. Yeah, I think he was. He had a dad that uh, Mr. Birchmore rode his bicycle around the world. And, of course, most of it was on a ship, but he rode all the way around the world. And he used to put in Danny's drink, like it was like a formula, like Coca-Cola or something. It was a hidden formula and <laughs> had honey and just all kinds of different things. And that's what Danny would drink, you know. It was just kind of one of those interesting things you see. I was on Facebook and they were, they were talking about who the greatest coach in the world is. Steve Berliner put down Harry Hopman, of course. He's and, not a, he's not a coach. Uh, he, it, you well, know, it depends, it depends, it depends what the parameters are. Somebody who, uh, made players from scratch which I would say the two best American coaches because I don't know overseas but the, the two best American coaches for making players had to be Lansdorf and and the guy in St. Louis Price yeah Price that, that's that's good I mean Price had you know not only did he have the McKinleys and Jimmy Parker and all these guys he had a couple of girls what was it Sussman and Maybe uh, that's right, Marianne Isol. Yeah, Isol, Marianne Isol. I mean, he, they had a slew out, of them. Yeah, yeah, and he turned out players from St. Louis. So how how great a teacher must he have been? Exactly. You know, in in world tennis, I remember seeing him, and he was like a ping pong whiz. It showed him playing ping pong and long long whites and things. You know, and then and then you know you have to because he really started and and gave strokes to you know. Tracy, the Austins, and and Telcher, and Teacher, and and Sam. Oh, no I question. Mean, you know, and, yeah. and, I mean, Lansdorf. Lansdorf has to be, you know, right at the top. Yeah, yeah, and he'll tell you. Uh, I'll tell you yeah, who else I'm got sure. a. I'll tell you who else got a voter too was Woody Blocker. Did you ever play Woody? He was a competitor. I, I, I never played him, but I remember him. Little guy. Uh huh. Fighter. He and played he, for. Uh, SMU, SMU. Yeah, and, and, and you know, he, he like hurt his arm or his muscle went down uh, and the next day he came out and he played his next match left-handed and I think he won. You know, that's how talented that guy was. I saw him win the 16 Nationals in Clay in uh, Louisville way back, like 69 when Bill Harris and Armistead Neely were in the 18s. He, he either won the 16s or the 14s, but... Um, a lot of the, the kids that played college tennis in the 80s took tennis lessons from him in Charlotte, and then he moved out to California. But uh, he's been teaching a long time, guy you don't hear much about, but, you know, one of those guys that, you know, was really tough junior player. Yeah, but as far as people who made players, yeah. I think Price and Lansdorff. Oh, no, Price, yeah. Price and, and Lansdorff has to take the cake. You know, if you're talking about turning – Oh, no into, question. Into, yeah. into, into world-class players. Now, you know, coaching uh, top players or something, probably Nadal's uncle's got to be up there, right? Well, you know, he got – somebody said – yeah, somebody said uh, him as, as one of the things. You know, one of the things I remember about Hopman when I trained – the little I trained up at Port Washington with him is – 
he just took out a basket of balls and just wore you out. And uh, all he do is feed the balls. And I remember just telling me one thing, just the way you hit your forehand, finish high, is all he said. And uh, But I asked uh, Roy Emerson about it later years uh, when he was doing a kind of an exhibition at a, at a tennis tournament in Lexington. And I said, what about Harry Hopman? I said, I went up there and he said, he said he wasn't, he didn't know anything about coaching. He said he didn't coach us at all. All he did was run our guts out and we would jump over a bush or something and go out and he said half of us would just hide behind the bush, you know, and come back because he, yeah. all he did was well, just a slave a, driver and run you into the ground basically. But yeah, we were yeah. more fit, we were more fit because of it, so. Yeah, well that's, he was a fitness nut, he wasn't a tennis coach. Yeah, well, you know, he was up there in New York uh, yeah, for many well, he years. Yeah, well, he didn't teach anybody anything. He, he just, didn't? So, um, yeah, nah, I mean, well, he did his drills and he, and he ran you around. Now, I remember I, I was at Port briefly because I, I just played around wherever Mr. Weisbuck was. Mm -hmm. So I, I told Bill, uh, Bill knew him, and Bill said, he said, uh, listen, he goes, how old are you, Michael? And I'd say, you know, 15, 16, whatever. He goes... If you go out and practice for, and play five sets every day, you think you'll be fit enough to play another 15 or 16 year old? <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, yeah. So he goes, what do you need Harry Hopman for? <laughs> he, he said, he said, if a 15 or 16 year old can't play three sets of tennis in a match, they have no business being on the court. It just tells you about, you know, names and people. I mean, you know, I, I'm not going to, you know, pour piss on Nick Boletari or anybody like that, but or Rick Macy or Billy Stearns or all these people that are charging five hundred, six hundred, eight hundred dollars an hour for a tennis lesson, and you know, so much of it's like I'm taking a lesson from Harry Hopman. You know, it's just kind of funny. I mean, I don't know if those guys, maybe those guys are great coaches. I don't know. I mean, I know Nick Boletari had all those guys in there. You know, Chip Chip Hooper. Was yeah, telling Nick Boletari when he worked, uh, you know, he was from New York. You know, he used to work for he, Bill. He used Nick, to shag balls from him. He was a travel agent. He was from uh, New York. He was from, from Pelham, from uh, by the Bronx. Is he really? Yeah, he's a New Yorker. Yeah, he used to work for Mike for Bill. He used to work for my coach. He he, he used to shag balls, like pick up balls, and uh, <laughs> he couldn't play a lick. No, he couldn't play, but, you know, I'm, and I remember he used to... And he couldn't teach a lick. He used to listen and watch guys, and he didn't, he, you know, he was a self-promoter. Self yeah. Listen, well, the, 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 the truth about that, you know, Becker hired him after, you know, Agassiz got rid of him. And, and Becker realized... Uh, the, what you should really know about Nick Balteri as a coach is that as he was, and as great uh, a ball striker as he was, he died and got rid of Nick. Huh. That's when he won all his majors. And he said so. He said, I didn't learn the game until you know I got rid of Nick and, and uh, hired Gilbert. Gilbert's done pretty well. That's amazing. Yeah, well, you know, Gilbert was a player. He knows the game, whatever. I mean, you know, but, uh, you know, you have to remember all the players that went to Boletari's camp, they were all, you know, like the best 14-year-old juniors in the world. Yeah, they were already the good. They were already really good when they saw him. So, you know, that's that doesn't count. The, the Lansdorfs and Prices of the world are the guys that really made players. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, people would just call you an old fart for saying stuff like that. Yeah, but it's the truth. And, and, and the truth is, you, you know, why is American tennis not where it used to be? Because all these foreign countries and their, their national tennis centers have better coaches. We, we, we used to be, you know, catch as catch can, but, you know, look at all the guys that came out of New York in those days. We had so many great pros. That you know I, that I that I talked about before. We had so many great teaching pros, and California had great teaching pros, and maybe you know Texas had a few, and Florida had a few. You know. Yeah, I'll tell you what's real. I'll tell you what's really unbelievable because you know this from the year we were on the Junior Davis Cup team when we were eighteen, and then I was on it again in college after you turned pro, but. Um, you know, I was on it three times, and I never had a structured lesson or clinic or workouts with anybody else on the Junior Davis Cup team. We ne- remember we never did. They just we just traveled around to the tournaments. No, no, never we even practiced together. Bill, Bill McLean was my coach. He didn't do anything for me. Yeah, he's yeah. a nice he's a nice fella. Right, he's a nice guy. I, I like the guy. But, you know... He didn't well, we never had practice. We never even had practices, though. How big of a joke is that? Any, he didn't, nobody worked on anybody's game. We you didn't know, even I go learned, out to I practice. Game, listen, I learned the game from Bill Weisbuck, who was a California teaching pro, you know, under under Eleanor Tennant, who learned from Tom Stowe. And between them all, they, they all had their hands on Kramer and Budge and Riggs and Alice Marble and, you know, Budge Patty and all, you know, that my... My, my my pro taught you know they they knew the game they taught kids how to play yeah that's right well that's what I'm saying I mean you look at the USTA you though know, in those it was a big advantage because the style they taught was better for all services than the way these guys were teaching in 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 Europe or South America right honestly which is you why know? we dominated and, in those years yeah we, exactly. That's exactly right. So you know, and, and to this day, I mean, Lansdorf teaches that exactly the way Tom So did. Does he really? Look at yeah, Telcher, Sampras, Eastern grips, clean strokes. You know, Lansdorf had it right. Tracy Austin, Mister mm-hmm. Chrissy Everett's dad had it right too. I mean, you know, it, it was a little bit unusual to start two hands on the girls back then, but. You know. That's kind of uh, actually a, a, a ahead of the curve, you know, because everybody's two-handed now. Any girls right. two-handed? Are there any right. one-handed girls out there right now? No, I don't think so. Not since Hennon, really. Yeah, I can't remember it. I can't remember seeing Although, did you watch Barty? Did you watch Barty play? No, I didn't see that. She's good, Well, obviously. she's got a two-handed backhand half the time. And she's got a really classy-looking slice half the time. Really? Half the time? One-handed. Yeah, she uses a, a... She knifes a really classic one-handed backhand, and then she hits a two-hander when she wants to come over it. Interesting. Well, she's my, got a beautiful, a great-looking serve. And really? Really athletic, good forehand. Yeah, she's a good player. You think she's going to be the next thing? Well, she's not that big, you know. They're all so friggin' big, so who knows? Hmm. But she's talented, very good athlete, very good athlete. Huh. Well, you think Serena's done? 
in, in terms so. of winning I mean, majors? You know, it, yeah, I think so. I mean, if you watch her play now, she makes more errors. She's not that quick as she used to be. She, she doesn't stay in long points very well like she used to. Oh. You know, I, I, I think she's lost quite a bit. I see. Well, what about this new guy? What's his name? Tipsarevich, or how, how do you pronounce it? The guy with the Which guy? the guy with the classic game that's like four in the world. Oh, Tsitsipas. Right? Yeah, where's he from? He's Greek. He's a half Greek. He's from Greece. His his uh, his mother's Russian. That I've, guy is a beautiful player. I've what just a, heard of him. I haven't even, I haven't seen him play. You haven't seen you haven't seen Tsitsipas play? No. What's he What's he play yeah. like? Oh, just classic, beautiful player. Right-handed, clean eastern forehand, clean eastern backhand. Oh, he doesn't play like he doesn't play yeah, like no, the guys. No he's, no, he's got the best strokes on the tour. Better really? Better. Yeah. Really? He's only twenty years old. You got to see this guy play. He's, uh, you know, hopefully he's the future of the game because he's a total. He's a he's more of a throwback than uh, than uh, Federer. He looks more like nineteen seventy-two than Federer. Really. Yeah, you gotta go watch Sitsipas. Great player. Huh? Well, what? Uh, wow. So, what about the other guy, the Russian Zarevev, or what about him? Oh, uh, he he's like he's weak other. mentally, isn't he? Well, it seems to be, but he's you know he's classy. Not and you know good forehand, good backhand. He's tall. Sitsipas is tall too, but Sitsipas is great. He volleys, great volley, everything. He's got the whole game. This, the whole shebang. Oh really? Well, I have to see him. This Kyrgios is some guy I can't figure out. But uh, I can't. I can't watch him. You know the if only he, other he, than he serves. Other than he's got a great serve. I don't. I don't even like his game. But since he passed, you, you watch him play, you'll love it. <laughs> he's, really? He's fun, It'll be he's like watching player. watching some of us again, huh? Old days, guys. Uh, no, he's better. <laughs> he's better. Than how, how big is his serve? How big is his serve? Uh, he's got a pretty good motion, but it's not huge. I would say that's the weakest part of his game, but it'll get better. Because, uh, you know, he's a, he's a tall, skinny kid. Uh, he moves well. Obviously, he, his groundies are beautiful, and he volleys great. He's a great player. He, he competes well. He's got a much better head than that Shapovalov kid. Don't you think that, you know, I, I may it may, may be just easy to say, but don't you think that Federer or team should have tried to Use more short balls, drop shots, angles on Nadal than staying back there and just hitting with him. I mean, Federer yeah, was like I four mean, out of four. The only, way to, the only way to play him, I don't think Federer. Federer just can't stay with him at, from the backcourt anymore. Yeah, you know? so why is he and back team, there? Team, team, team. You know. Team play, uh, I don't get it. I, team he plays lost. return a serve. He returns serve from the back fence. I don't get it. Yeah, well, you're not going to beat Nadal that way, and that's what I'm saying. Team probably doesn't yeah, have I mean, the I tools. Would have liked, I, would, I mean, it's very tough on a, on a clay court in Europe to beat Nadal, obviously. Well, I know. impossible, but I, I would like to have seen Agassi play Nadal at Agassi's best because Agassi never gave up the baseline. No, he did. Nobody could hit through him. No, you know he he can he can hold that baseline without backing up one step. Yeah, against anybody. because he had no backswing if he didn't have to. Yeah, yeah, and and he was just so good off both sides. I I, I think I would have liked to see how Agassi would have played Nadal. 
Yeah, that would have been interesting. At, at, at Agassiz's best. That would be interesting to see. Michael, thanks for joining us today. We're going to sign off here, and uh, this is the uh, Chip and Gary show. You didn't, you didn't know I was secretly taping all this great stuff. This was some great stuff here. Have a good day, old chum. We'll talk to you again sometime.